Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore and Evan Grant. And on the line with us today is the one, the only... Mr. Eric Nadell. Hello, Eric. How are you? Morning. How are you doing, guys? We're doing great. Wonderful. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing great. I've been very busy this week. Do you, um, I think we should introduce you properly. Not only are you the Hall of Fame radio voice of Wait, the are Texas you, are you Rangers. criticizing my introduction now? Yes. yes. Secondly, uh, wow. uh, I think we should mention that you are the author of a new book, The Greatest, and I, I need to say this, The Greatest book of poetry ever written about a last place baseball team that i've read uh lim eric uh which is now available at um it, it's on amazon right correct uh and where else can the fine folks pick up lim eric as of this friday they'll be able to pick it up at the ballpark at flow by park in arlington in the rangers team store and then there are various book signings that i'll be doing uh, Wednesday night this week, December 5th, at the Kessler Theater. Uh, Friday, December 7th, at the Frisco Rough Riders Winter Wonderland event at Dr. Pepper Ballpark. And then next week, on December 14th in the afternoon, I'll be at the Rangers Team Store. And on the 15th, uh, from 10 in the morning until noon, with Ian Kinsler and Matt Kemp, I'll be at the Warstick Bat Company in Deep Ellum. And in the afternoon from 1 to 4, I'll be at the Legal Draft Brewery in Ireland. My God. And now, I, I, do think, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here where I say that at these book signings, you will be writing personalized limericks for everybody who asks for an autograph, correct? <laughs> uh, um, it, it could happen. It could happen. <laughs> All right. So I, I know the backstory here on this, but what what prompted you to write a book of poetry about this Texas Rangers team? Well, the one word answer is desperation. Uh, desperation to try and hold our radio audience. About a month into the season, the Rangers were already nine games out. And Matt and Jared and I were talking about uh, ideas for things we could do as diversionary tactics to try and hold the audience. You know, a couple of years ago, we did this thing called the Word of the Week where every Monday each of us would choose an obscure word, and we would use it in every game for a week. And this year we actually were throwing around the idea of a feature called Shopping with Derek. Uh, somehow in spring training, when Derek Holland was pitching against the Rangers, against the Lino de Shields, uh, we were wondering who did the grocery shopping in the house and where they shopped. And so I actually talked to Derek about it, and, the, and we were going to do this feature. Every day we would talk to a Ranger player uh, or a player on the other team about where he shops <laughs> for groceries or something like that. And we were kind of planning on doing that when this limerick thing came up. The Rangers gave us a live commercial to read for a thing called Pay the Day, and it said you can pay the day because we're playing in May. It was this thing where you could buy a ticket for $5 on May 5th, $6 on May 6th, etc. And so I said to Matt, you know, 
we should write a limerick about this because there was a line in the commercial that said, uh, you can pay the day because we're playing in May. And I said, well, we can do a better rhyme than that. And we wrote a limerick about that. And then uh, Rangers were losing to the, uh, to the Red Sox pretty badly about that time. And right after I read the limerick, Matt said about somebody, he just got called up from Pawtucket. And I said, whoa, that sounds like the first line of another limerick. And Matt said, yeah, I think I've heard that one. I don't think we can read it on the air. And I said, well, let's write a clean one. So together we wrote this limerick. A young hitting star at Pawtucket, each time up, would step into the bucket. If he got this corrected, he'd soon be selected for Cooperstown, like Kirby Puckett. And we posted it on social media, and people seemed to like it. And that's kind of how the eighth-inning limerick of the day was born. And then sometime about a month later, I realized by the end of the season, if we keep doing this, I'm going to have well over 100 limericks. What am I going to do with them? And a friend suggested that I get an illustrator and put a book together. And I found this great illustrator in Dallas, Arthur James, who is very sports-minded and a lifelong Ranger fan who was dying to do it. And uh, that's how the book came about. And... Do you ever regret the idea that you decided, of all things, to write a book that kind of chronicles a last-place team? Well, actually, what we did was we decided we would expand the subject of the book so that the book, I would say, is only about a third about the 2018 Rangers. Um, The book is about other baseball players, other baseball teams. It's about other sports um, there are several limericks about the World Cup, uh, limericks about the NHL and the NBA and all the other sports teams in town, uh, limericks about a variety of celebrities, both local and national, and uh, limericks about music, food, the cities that we visit, and a whole chapter of limericks written by people other than me. Uh, we have four chapters in the book, baseball, not baseball, all-stars, which are the celebrity limericks, and pinch hitters, which are the limericks sent in by listeners. You spoke of desperation earlier. Asking Evan to write one of them, was that desperation as far as? <laughs> That's the definition of it, isn't it? <laughs> in fact, he's actually got one in the book. It's actually one of my favorite ones. It's about the collision between uh, Matt Kemp and Robinson Chirinos in a game at Dodger Stadium this year. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Matt Kemp at this book signing we're doing at Warstick next week, showing him the limerick and Arthur James' drawing of that collision. It's pretty cool. Evan, can you recite that limerick, please? Well, I believe the rhyming words were uh, collision, um, mission, and gone fishing. Wow. I believe those were the key words. It was something about Matt Kemp being on a mission, and uh, then there was a big collision, and then uh, the umpire told them both to go fishing. I forgot what the two... uh, It actually reads, in the third, Matt Kemp was on a mission. With Robbie, there was a big collision. Although benches cleared, not as bad as we feared, the umps told them both to go fishing. Oh, look at that. That's right. What do you got to say about that, Kevin? You know that's that's pretty for you. That's really clever. Uh, that, that's that ranks right up there is probably in the top. I don't know, one things you've ever written. Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> it. 
No, I think that's good. Eric, did you have to explain to Evan how a limerick works, you know, in the in the in the rhyme and the meter of that? Did, and, did he submit you a haiku before he yeah. did? Yeah. I, I I believe I that actually, actually should have explained it better because he cheated on the number of syllables per line. Oh my <laughs> in the god. section we let people get away with it. Oh in the on the limericks that I wrote and Matt wrote and Jared wrote, we had to stick to the rules, you know, where the first, second, and fifth lines have the same number of syllables, right. and the third and fourth lines have the same number of syllables. Um, but we we let our guests uh, make up their own rules, and, and that included it. That's pretty much how Evan, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, how Evan rolls anyway. Uh, I would just say that limericks are about as highfalutin as I get when it comes to poetry. So Yeah, yeah uh, I know me too. People said, why don't you write any haikus? And I'm not writing haikus. I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a limerick guy. <laughs> like we we sent uh, we sent the book out to or a pre- little preview book to a variety of celebrities to get them to endorse the book, and the best one came back from Ron Washington. He said, "I'm more of a sonnet man myself, but these are very good." Uh, I'm not. So let me see Wash sitting back, sitting back with a cigarette, <laughs> yeah, back in his chair. Some Somerset mom. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, I can just I can just see Wash reading a little Dante's Inferno every once in a while. Yeah, uh, I finished the sonnet, man. So the uh, I, I want to change subjects for just a minute here. Um, you have covered your first manager with the Rangers was who? Pat Corrales. Correct. Okay, so you've covered every manager with this club Pat Corrales, wow. since 1979, dating back to the days of Pat Corrales. We now have yet another manager for you to do pregame shows with. What are your first impressions of what you've seen, heard from Chris Woodward? Uh, he seems to me to be a really good combination you know, of the modern analytic guy and the traditional baseball guy. And most importantly, he seems to have a really relaxed personality. And that's the thing that's come across to me. And, you know, in talking to the people, uh, particularly with the Blue Jays, uh, for whom he played for a long time, talking to their broadcasters, uh, they pretty much confirmed that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to him every day. Kevin? Uh, here's my issue, uh, Eric, all these years with Rangers, uh, managers and they don't and, win world series well, besides that, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, my, my, yeah, the, the first one I was around here was, uh, Bobby. I, I just missed Doug Rader. Uh, I'll have, although having grown up in Houston uh, and watching the, the, the red rooster play third base and then reading about him in ball four, I felt like I really knew him really well. Um, so uh, it is that with, for the most part, these guys have not been the kind of guys who were easy to talk to. They were some more easier than others. Uh, and, and I believe what Kevin is saying is they ain't had no normal guys managing. Well, the they, they've always, they, it always seemed to me they were either you had, and of course everybody wants to get their message across. Um, uh, but you either had a guy who's very manipulative doing that or you had a guy who was very uncomfortable doing it, uh, and and just uncomfortably publicly. Yes, yeah. well, to the extremes, you had you had a Johnny Oates right. who was extremely uncomfortable in those kind of situ- situations. Or you've had people like Jerry Naren and just just not good at it. You know, a little socially awkward. Um, and and I just wondering when is this team ever going to have a manager that was just easy to talk to? 
Well, didn't you consider Wash to be easy to talk to? Well, you, you know, it's a it's a great point. I, I think the, the 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 thing about Wash was that when you got him off the record, he was really easy to talk to. You know, he was he was great, and he told you everything you wanted to know. And and you know, really, for all the things that the fans criticize Wash for, and the media does too. When he just sat down and talked to you about what he was doing and why he was doing it, I never, I hardly ever had an argument with him about things. Uh, but uh, but when he talked to you about coaching and instruction, there was an awful lot of passion behind it. And oh, whether absolutely. you understood it or you agreed with it, you could buy where it was coming yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. But I felt like that when you were just talking to him about you know in the day to day, you you weren't going to get a whole lot from him. You know, on on the record stuff, you weren't going to get a lot from him that made you feel like. You know, and and the comparison I always make is a Mike Sosha. You go and you sit down with Mike Sosha, or you sit down with a Joe. And and I realize these are guys who are at the top of their game as far as communications are. But it it would just be fun to me to talk to guys that you could. Uh, it, it's like I make another comparison with, with the Cowboys. You could never get Bill Parcells one on one, but boy, the the uh, the the press conferences were were entertaining and and they're informative and educational. Sure. And and you just really got something out of it. It was just it was it was fun you know to to, to listen to him um uh, and and i guess that's what i'm asking is that I, I don't know if chris woodward is that guy or not he seems very comfortable uh you know when you when you talk to him um it's it's different from certainly from from jeff banister who was a guy that you know kind of uh came in and, and i was blown away by his introductory press conference uh and and uh, unfortunately i think there was just a little too much of that day to day uh, and uh, and it's hard to live with that every day. Uh, I think that maybe you know that that Chris certainly seems like a guy who would be easy to live with. I think so too. That was definitely my first impression, and he certainly was that way as a player. You know, I did have occasion to talk to him uh, when he was a player. Now I think everything changes when you get into that hot seat. Yeah, and hopefully that won't alter you know the way he relates to people. You know, whether it's players or you know, media people like us or, or the general public. Hopefully he'll be able to you know, continue being you know, the way that he normally is. Uh, it's a challenge, no question about that. Yeah, I, I think just to go back to what you were saying, I think the Rangers thought when they hired Jeff Bannister with all the messaging that he brought and the, and the kind of talk, all of that stuff would resonate with fans. I don't think that they understood quite how well or how well it would not resonate within the clubhouse, or, or more precisely, how it would wear in the clubhouse. Yeah. Uh, w- with Chris Woodward, I think that they're, they're looking more for a guy who's, who's messaging in and out of the clubhouse, publicly and, and, and privately, is, is more consistent, I think would be the best way to say it. W- Eric, what do you want from, you know, you, you are a broadcaster. You, you deal with these guys in, in a lot of the same ways that, that we do as a reporter, but you're also in touch with, with fans. What is it that you want? What makes for the ideal manager in the game today? For the ideal manager, I imagine the most important thing by far is having the players ready to play, and that means being in the proper frame of mind, which most of the time means relaxed. Um, given the 162-game season and the nature of the sport itself, you don't want to be revved up like a football player to go out on the field. You know, I think that's by far the most important thing. Uh, when you get to the actual making of the lineup and the strategizing within the game, you know, it's, 
it's being able to incorporate all of the analytics and the new stuff with the ability to actually, you know, see and and do what Wash does, you know, and, and feel it in your gut and make decisions accordingly. But uh, I really do think that the, the clubhouse tone is by far the most important part of it. And, and that is that is a part that we do not ever get a real feel for. And the only way you get a feel for it is how the players execute and how they play the game because it does come down to putting them in a relaxed situation and putting them in a position to succeed. I think David's seen that on the Cowboys' side. I mean, I think you see it with coaching any sport. That's the only way you really know how these players respond is how they actually respond on the field. Yeah, and it's interesting, and, and to Kevin's point about uh, a relationship and, and again, a, a manager, a head coach being a, a conduit and a window into the workings of an organization. Uh, in the case of Jason Garrett, he has chosen to uh, obscure that window. He has he pulls drapes over it, and, and for him, it's genuine relationships with my players and my coaching staff and, and, and personnel and employees behind the scenes, and it's me being completely guarded and giving you no glimpse into what our true relationship is as far, you know, if, if you get it elsewhere, fine. I'm not going to impede your job, but I'm not going to uh, particularly give you a glimpse because I'm not sure it's in my best interest or in the team's best interest. And and I think every every manager or, or, or head coach has a, a little different perception of, of what he wants to portray uh, to the public and, and how he wants to do that in relation to what his relationship is with the team. Plus, you got a, a you know an owner there who is who is all over the place and who's the bright lights and the and the greatest showman on earth. Right. And so it it behooves him to just kind of recede into the background a little bit. All right, Eric. Before we let you go today, I do have to ask you this: um, as a noted. Um, promoter of the rock music um and I, I should also mention you know eric does a sunday supper once a month you're going to do that in 2019 as well correct yes we are uh sunday supper once a month at cafe momentum chad hauser's uh incredible um restaurant endeavor that helps much more than that yeah at-risk youths get real skills and 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 puts them in, in the a position industry. to succeed yeah. Uh, we were there Sunday night for um, for the first time this year. Uh, had a great meal, a great time, and it's also a real power broker conference. Um, my good friend Brad Sham was there, uh, at which he mentioned some things he, he may have had me. to say. Yeah. Uh, John Blake of the Rangers was there, so so a lot of people like really show up for this. Um, this is my very long winded introduction to this. How do you feel about Paul McCartney playing Globe Life? Pretty excited, uh, you know. I had heard rumors about, I had heard whispering, but I didn't know that this was actually going to come to pass until the Rangers made the announcement a little while ago. Uh, I noticed the Rangers are playing in uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's a, that's a city I could probably miss. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I knew that's what you were going to say. I, I, that, that was going to be the next question: Is will this be one of the designated off series for the year for you? I, I think the odds are heavily in favor of that. I, you know, I don't usually I don't usually take uh, days off until July rolls around. Um, but this is almost July, and you know, for this once in a lifetime opportunity to uh, to see Paul McCartney in our ballpark, I've seen him once. 
I saw him at the uh, hockey arena in Phoenix in spring training several years ago. Uh, but that's the only time I've seen him. And my wife has not seen him uh, with me. I think she saw him once at Texas Stadium many years ago. But we've never seen him together. So I think there's an awfully good chance that, uh, that I will be there. I'm really excited. Do you think anybody's I'm forward, I'm looking forward to the announcement of the Eagle show and the Stevie Wonder show uh, to follow. <laughs> do, you, do you think anyone's explained to Sir Paul about how hot it's going to be on June the 14th? <laughs> Maybe he thinks we're going to be at Globe Life Field already. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think he's thinking this is 2020, not 2019. Now, have you ever... Yeah, that's what I, when I heard the rumors, too, I assumed it was 2020. Yeah, yeah right. I imagine McCartney's already booking shows for 2020 if he's going to play that year. That it would be the first event in the new stadium, maybe, yeah. 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 Uh, So let me ask you this. Have you ever met a Beatle? No. So you're going to do everything you can. We're running out of them, you know. You're going to do everything you can to meet this one, correct? Uh, Maybe. You know, there are going to be so many people, you know, in that line that, you know, I don't know, to just have the opportunity to shake his hand, that. You know, that's not. You just want to hold his hand, Eric? Is that what it is? If I had a chance to have a conversation with him and talk with him about what it's like to be 64. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe, there you go. I like it. Maybe, maybe I, you know, I certainly would want to do that. But just to stand in a line and shake his hand and get a picture taken with him, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd, I'll be on that line. But you, I think you went, like, when you went to Vegas in the last, the last time you went to Vegas, the Beatles show was the show that you went to, right? The Cirque du Soleil Beatles show. Yeah, that was incredible. I loved it. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's something special. It really is. I, we saw the Beatles show and we saw the Michael Jackson show, and I, I cannot tell you that one is any better than the other, but they're both amazing nights of music and acrobatics, and the Beatles show has a lot of, uh, there's some skateboarding and and some uh, a lot of stuff done on on wheels. Um, it's it's an amazing show. So maybe they'll yeah, bring McCartney's that. The only, yeah, McCartney's the only Beatle I've ever seen. Uh, haven't seen Ringo. Never had a chance to see George or John. Well, and it sounds to me like you'll have a chance to see him again this 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 June. Um, so it'll be. I'm hoping to. I'll, I'll start negotiating that with uh, with Mr. Blake very shortly. <laughs> Uh, well, um, what, and the last question before we let you go, what are you most looking forward to from your last season at Globe Life Park before you move into the fine air conditioned environments of the new stadium? Well, I'm, I'm most looking forward to seeing the way that John Daniels and his staff put together a pitching staff. You know, it's a tremendous challenge and it's something that usually takes more than a year to do considering, you know, they're almost starting from scratch. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I look back at what happened to Oakland last year, and they somehow, on the fly, put together a rotation that got them to the playoffs with retreads like Trevor Cahill and uh, Edwin Jackson and Brett Anderson, and then they went and got Mike Fires. So, you know, it can actually happen within the course of one season. It's it's not likely, but it can happen. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, creative way that uh, J.D. and his staff put together a pitching staff. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to employ every creative method that they have, and that includes the possibility of, of a more long-term commitment to either an opener and a primary pitcher, as we've, as we've taken to calling them, 
or some kind of piggyback arrangement on certain days where you've got a starter that goes uh, three or four innings and a, and a guy who backs him up, hopefully with a full trip through the lineup. But there's not at this point in time the Rangers' rotation is Mike Miner, uh, Drew Smiley who hasn't pitched in two seasons, and Edinson Volquez who hasn't pitched in uh, over a season. So um, it's going to take it's going to take some serious work. But that uh, that's what the rest of this winter is for. Um, and uh, I, I do think that this whole off season in 2019 is about setting a foundation for, for where you want to go from here. It, it is not necessarily about putting, and, and, and these are my words, it's certainly not yours, but it's not necessarily about putting a contender on, on, the, on the field. It's about getting yourself back into position to build a contender. Um, yeah, you know, I think that they may be considering the motivational value of the limerick. I think that um, I'm sure that you will have plenty of limericks that you could put together about whatever takes place this season. Um, and I will be looking forward to volume two of Limerick. Thanks. This is going to be an annual book, right? Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I probably would be institutionalized if I, <laughs> if I had to write another one within a year. I, I will. Already addiction. I, I will say this: he's woken up, and he's told me that he's woken up like you dream in thinking in limerick. <laughs> yes, <Ow>. yes, unfortunately <laughs> true. I even wrote a couple of them in Spanish um, this year, and they're in the book. Wow. Well, uh, I know you've got other things to get to today, um, including some uh, pest control issues. So uh, we will let you deal with that. And um, uh, a reminder to everybody that Wednesday night. Uh, at the Kessler, um, a great music venue. You'll also have a musical artist on hand, correct? We have three. We have Pedagos, Magic Pilsner, Whitney Rose, and Joshua Ray Walker, three uh, fabulous Texas artists. So a, a, a great night to be had and to get your copy of Limerick. Um, thanks for taking time today, and we will let you roll. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Eric. There he goes, Eric Nadell. The one and the only. I think I introduced him that way. I think people in this market know who Eric Nadell is. Still yeah. think it's important to call him the Hall of Fame radio voice. Because that he makes you say that. That's why. That, that is part of the deal. That's how we got in the book. Yeah. Um, right. And also, I think that's also going to wrap it up for us because Sharon Grigsby is getting ready to come in here and do a Channel 5 television hit. And Tommy gave me the either he's cuckoo or let's wrap it up kind of thing. Yeah, I like it when they do that. Yeah. So um, this has been a great morning, um, despite all has my it? thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I I had low expectations with Kevin coming back into the mix. But, yeah. Um, you've managed to reach that low bar. Yeah. Um, so for everybody here, to everybody out there, we will see. We will speak to you again next week. I will be speaking from Las Vegas. Oh, you guys will be oh, here. Well, yeah. Don't what, what kind of boondoggle have you got going now? That's us. right. Did you do another Winter, Jerry Gallo story? Winter meetings. So long, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.